Hello and welcome to SEO SAS. Your hosts are Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at Like Mind Media, and the wonderful and beautiful Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshock. We call ourselves SEO SAS because we are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Each week we find interesting topics that we debate and try and find answers to. And yes, even sometimes people agree to come on the podcast and talk to us, which is awesome awesome. This show is brought to you by the team at Like Mind Media. Like Mind Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content or even podcasts just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like you. Thanks Hannah. So you might notice that there is a certain voice missing and unfortunately Hannah isn't on this show and you've just got me. No you haven't, you've not just got me because if it's just me then I don't know like this podcast would not be about SEO. I wouldn't really know what I'm rambling now so yes you can kind of see why I'm not allowed alone on this podcast. However we got some exciting news because on this show, we have the lovely Helen Pollitt, who has agreed to come and discuss small budget SEO with us. And with us, with me, I'm so used to Hannah being here. But anyway, um, Helen Pollitt is SEO consultant, a trainer, conference speaker and writer. And when she finds the time, she is the managing director at her agency, Arrows Up. Hello, Helen. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for agreeing to come on. It's awesome. It's awesome to get people on the podcast to chat good SEO topics. How are we doing? I'm well, thank you. Doing good today. Really excited. Although I did hear about a little bit of a feature at the end of this session, which I'm slightly nervous about. (laughs) We like to take people out of their comfort zone and we we don't apologize about it because Mm -hmm. we just, you know, it's a bit of fun and you will, I'm sure you'll love it. I'm sure you'll love it. I mean... I have been kind and not put a forfeit in this week. So, (laughs) or I mean, I might, because what kind of happens is sometimes a forfeit will come like to my mind, like, oh, that would be really good. So at the moment, I don't have a forfeit, but there might be a forfeit towards the end of the podcast. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) So obviously you agreed to come on to talk and you suggested about talking about small budget SEO. So before we kind of get into that, let's start off with you telling us and our listeners a bit about yourself, how you got into the world of SEO and digital marketing. I got into SEO really by accident, which I think is something that a lot of SEOs will tell you. But I started off life as a generalist marketer and had a couple of in-house roles that had me do offline marketing as well as online marketing. But SEO was something that I always found really fascinating. It feels like, to me, it covers really all the fundamentals of good strategy, good uh, visibility. And I just found it such an interesting mix of being technical, but also creative. So that's how I ended up really wanting to specialize in SEO. So after my two generalist marketer roles, I moved into a, a role that was more digitally focused and from there specialized as an SEO. So I've been 
dabbling in marketing for gosh about a decade now oh okay I, l- I love the word dabble by the way that is a good word to use like you said I think a lot of people sort of fall into SEO don't they because a lot of people that I talk to or have you seen the thing trending on Twitter at the moment so someone asked SEOs how they got into the industry or how they got into the being a SEOer as it were and a lot of people just say that they kind of stumbled into it obviously on your twitter profile and i introduced you as being an seo consultant trainer conference speaker and writer now that is a lot that's a lot to do do you do you find it hard to juggle all four and which would you say you enjoy the most it is a constant struggle to juggle all of them because I really enjoy all of them. So it's really hard for me to know which one I want to focus on at a certain time. But really what I do have to get really good at and something that I've been working on over the years is prioritizing because that at the end of the day is the only way you're going to be able to fit in all those sorts of things. So I get to grips with deadlines and who else is involved in different things and make sure that I can prioritize what I need to at the right time. So whether I'm consulting with a company or whether I'm training people, whether I'm speaking at a conference or writing something for a publication, it's about knowing how all of those different things can fit into your schedule so that everything gets done on time. But I don't think I could necessarily choose which one I love the most. I won't make you, don't worry. I I would say I do love a microphone on the stage though, (laughs) Uh, So, which is really weird for an introvert, but um, yeah, probably conference speaking is my... (laughs) is my favorite for that reason interesting so obviously when you find the time you also run your company don't you arrows arrows up so you're the managing director there how did arrows up come about and what is it like to run an agency i really love helping people get better at seo i think that's something that at my core i always really enjoy whether it's by consulting or training or speaking at a conference so that's something that's gone with me the whole way through my SEO career is wanting to help other people get better at their own skills at SEO, but also to communicate the value of SEO better. So I started thinking about running a company and wanted to specialize in doing exactly that. And through my years of working in agencies and also working in-house, I noticed a common struggle with a lot of the way the digital marketing teams, SEO teams are set up and run. And that. With agencies, they're often set up by someone who's a great entrepreneur, but not necessarily someone who's got a huge history in digital marketing or SEO. So they can't always communicate SEO very well to their clients, or they don't know how to make it commercially viable. And that's the sort of thing that I love doing is finding those processes, finding ways of communicating how beneficial SEO can be to people, especially for small businesses. So that's something I just wanted to be able to focus my time on doing as well as being able to create those strategies that get those kind of great ROI. So whether it's with an agency, whether it's working with an in-house team, that's always my focus is how can I help other people to get better at SEO, but also to communicate the the value and the benefit of it. My, my kind of my personal mission statement at the moment is to empower marketers and SEO through awesome training and streamlined processes. Cause I think once you've done that, you're about 90% of the way there. So that's really why Arrows Up was founded. And that's kind of what I'm keeping at the core of the agency's direction. Uh, but in terms of running an agency, it's terrifying, uh, <laughs> exciting. It's really expanded my knowledge, I would say. It probably made me better SEO, actually, because I have really started to appreciate what small business owners value and what they 
have as their priority. And because of that, I think it's helped me to create better SEO strategies because I know at the end of the day, the owner of a business doesn't necessarily care about how much organic traffic they've got to the site. They care about sales and they care about making payroll. And that's what's that's what's driving them. Mm. So how can SEO help them do that? I'm guessing what you're saying there is that though when you're doing SEO, that the goals and metrics, whilst like traffic and all those sort of more vanity metrics are sort of important, what's more important is showing how what you're doing aligns with the business goals because business goals then better sort of relate to making money. Absolutely. And I think those sorts of metrics very much help you to inform your strategy and know where you need to focus. But at the end of the day, people have hired an SEO or they've brought on board an SEO agency or freelancer because they need to make more money or they need to get more visibility or they want their message to be spread further. So that has to be the end goal. And you can't pay for stuff in life with traffic, just like with social, you can't pay with stuff with likes. We'd all like to, but that's just not how the world runs. (laughs) So obviously I introduced at the beginning of the podcast that we'd be talking about small budget SEO. So let's go more into that. So I, when doing research on you, not in a stalkery way, don't worry, but more in a, you're being a guest on the podcast. Let's do some research. So yeah, there's an article that you wrote for Search Engine Journal called, Is SEO Best Practice the Enemy of Success? And that really resonated with me and I thought it was an awesome article because in it you were discussing whether SEO best practice is key in mastering rankings and SERPs or a shallow goal that leads to missed opportunities and I think that is the battle between SEO and making sales. So I've got a couple of questions relating to that article that you wrote the first one is can you give some examples of when seo best practice can actually hinder success sure so probably one of the main ones is when it stops creativity so if you take page titles mess titles for instance you can follow a formula of including your primary keyword at the beginning making sure it's less than 60 characters long etc But by doing that on all of the pages on your site, you're taking out that creativity element. You're stopping yourself from being able to write something that's really engaging or is much more attractive than the listing that's ranking in number one, for instance. You just stop that element of being creative. And I think that's a real shame and something that um, best practice really is missing is allowing people to grow in that creativity or technical issues on the site, for instance. If you're going through and just conducting a bit of a tick box exercise on technical SEO stuff, like um, making sure there's a robots.txt mm. and it's got the XML sitemap link in it. And if your site is tiny, you might not need either of those things. So it can just be a massive distraction and waste of resource at the end of the day. If you've got a development queue that's huge, you putting on a ticket that uh, asks for an XML sitemap to be linked in the robots.txt, even though it's already been shown in Search Console, could just be a bit of a waste of your developer's time. So it's about making sure that this sort of best practice stuff that you're doing is actually going to be beneficial. Yeah, and I suppose relating it then to small budget SEO, so people who are wanting to do SEO, but they don't have a lot of budget or resource, I'm guessing what you're saying then is that like money can definitely be wasted on that tick and boxes exercise that you just said. And actually, time and resource could be spent in, be- in other areas, would you say? Absolutely. I think everything we do as SEOs needs to have a direct benefit associated with it. And it shouldn't ever be, well, because that's what we do as SEOs. It's got to always have that 
thought in mind of, is this going to impact our KPIs? Is it going to move the needle? Is it actually going to benefit the website? Or am I just doing it to tick a box? And if it's just a tick boxing box uh, exercise, then you're wasting money. And when you're working with a small budget, you don't have that money to waste. And and that's something that I think we really need to get good at when we're working with those small budgets or smaller companies is making sure that every single thing we do counts. Yeah. So obviously best practice is there as a guide, but don't like take it with a pinch of salt, basically. When should best practice be followed and when should it be ignored? So could you give an example of a situation where, yes, definitely go ahead, follow follow best practice. And then another example of when, no, you're wasting your time, just ignore it. I think if the best practice is genuinely going to help your site, then it's worth doing. So just because it's something that a lot of people say, oh, you have to do that, doesn't mean you have to go and do the opposite just because it's recommended. It's probably recommended for a very good reason. So yeah. there will be instances when it's a, a brilliant thing to follow best practice. Um, I would always caveat that you need to check whether that best practice genuinely is best practice. Consider where you've heard it from. Are multiple sources saying it's best practice? Is just one saying it's best practice? Um, I think it's really good for new SEOs. So people who perhaps haven't had a huge amount of experience in uh, driving organic traffic, it's a good place for them to start. It's a nice foundation for their website from which they can then experiment and work out what will work for their industry or their particular site. So I think it, it has its its place, but it just needs to be relied on less, I would say. Good advice. Very good advice. So then moving on, what advice would you give to someone who knows that they need to work on their SEO and they want to, but they have no budget? They literally have nothing. Can that be done? Yes, it definitely can. You just have to be really smart with your resources. And normally when you have no budget, your resources, your time. So that means making sure you are uh, being conscious about what you are doing to your website or with your campaign that is genuinely going to help. And also looking at where you can get support from other people for free. So Twitter, for instance, is a great place to go to get support and advice from other SEOs. There's loads of free resources that will help you with um, learning how to get better at SEO. So really, it's just being mindful about where you're spending your time Mm. because SEO doesn't have to be expensive, but it can be if you aren't careful with what you're doing. So there's a lot of temptation to go out and buy all of the really nice tools and the, the fancy ones that do things that you think are really exciting. But actually, at the end of the day, if you're just starting out in SEO or you're just working on SEO in your company and you've not done it before, then you need to start the basics really and that sort of thing won't be necessary just yet. Yeah. So yes, just being careful with your resources is the key. And I suppose you could think outside the box as well because maybe you need help from a web developer, say, but you don't have the money. Maybe there's something else that you could offer. So think about what your business is selling. Is there like if, like a product that you could give them or a service? Do you know what? Like there's always ways or sort of like I'll if you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So if you do this bit of work for me, say you're a, this is the first example that's come into my head, but say you're a gym instructor. If you do this work for me, I will spend an hour with you in the gym showing you some like exercises. So there's always ways, isn't there, to be a bit more savvy and think of ways to get work done. Absolutely. Contradeals are a brilliant way of doing that. Photography, for instance, if you need some new images for your site and you don't want to use stock photos, then contact a local photographer. I'm sure they'd love to have help with the SEO of their website. So, yeah, there's absolutely ways you can do things like that. It's just being a bit savvy and thinking outside that box. 
Where am I? I've, I've lo- I'm lost on my notes. No, I'm not. Okay. So what if someone does have a budget, but it's very limited? What would you advise them to prioritize or how can they go about prioritizing? I think what do they need to prioritize is is not possible to know unless you know their website and industry well. But what I always do whenever I'm working with a small budget is ask these three questions. So I'll ask, will it make an impact on results? Can it be done now? And will it be low cost in terms of resource and budget? So what's actually going to move the needle? How actionable is it? And is it going to cost you a fortune or is it actually within reach? Because then you're starting to see, well, what is actually going to make a difference and still be cost effective? Yes, I think that's the sort of common theme when it comes to SEO. And even if you do have a budget, you still need to prioritise because when it comes to SEO, there is so much that you can do that anyone needs to prioritise, don't they? So understanding what you're going to do, what is going to be the end result, say it's going to either take a lot of time or a lot of resource or a lot of budget, it has to have results that sort of marry up to that, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. What major disadvantages do people face with a small budget and what is the easiest way to overcome them? I mean, we might have sort of covered that in obviously thinking outside the box and finding other ways of getting people to do work. But is there anything else on this like, topic? I suppose probably the, one of the main issues that people working in a small budget have is just getting demoralised really quickly. It's really hard to to feel like you're making headway with SEO when you don't have a lot of time to spend on it or a huge budget to spend, especially if you're up against some really big competitors because you can see them outranking you for everything. So it's really hard to stay motivated and know Mm. that it might be a bit of a slow burn or a bit of a slog, but you are going to start seeing results soon. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the, the biggest issues, but also just there's so much to do, not enough resource and learning to prioritize. But I guess something that, any business can do is just be so much more strategic in in where they're focusing their efforts. So for small businesses in particular, if you've got a small budget, look at your audiences that convert and focus on them. So if you know that a lot of your business comes from other local businesses, then local SEO is probably your focus for a bit and just making sure that you're really going after those people that when they get to your website, are actually going to convert. Yes, because that sort of relates to what we were saying earlier, that whilst traffic is good, you need traffic that converts. They need to, once they're on the website, they need to do something and you can't pay bills with traffic, can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there any advantages to having a small budget that is often overlooked? Yes, I would say that if you've got a small budget, you're probably a smaller company and therefore much more nimble in what you're doing. So large companies, enterprise websites, the queue to get anything actioned is insanely long. So I've worked with clients before that in order for me to get access to their Google Tag Manager, I had to speak to 10 separate people. Oh my gosh. And it's a very long time. So I think when you're a smaller company, you're working with a smaller budget, chances are you can make changes really quickly. There's less sign-off involved. Mm. So if you want to make changes to a page, you don't have to go through three levels of management. You can probably just make the change. So smaller budgets... I also would say that you have to be more laser focused in what you're doing. So with larger budgets, there's that opportunity to waste money a little bit with experimenting. And perhaps if you take longer at doing something than you anticipated, it's not too much of an issue. But with a small budget, you really have to be focused that what you're doing is going to make an impact. So actually, you probably 
start seeing results a little bit quicker with it. Yeah. And any decision that you make or anything that you want to test, you have to have a bit more. So rather than going with gut feeling and wanting to test something, if you are a smaller company that doesn't have budget and resource then yeah you have to sort of okay this is a good idea but is it a good idea yeah, <laughs> so exactly. yeah. It, yeah it helps sort of uh, weed out the bad ideas I suppose that aren't going to work okay so next question a regular occurrence in SEO is organic website traffic drops on a small budget how can people identify traffic drops and also fix them like are there any free tools anything that can be done manually i would say when you are looking at organic traffic drops your first port of call will be your tracking program so google analytics or whatever else you're using and the likes of google search console and both google analytics and search console are free so i'd always always recommend you get your website set up with those two and then you just need to go really granular so look at your data, which pages in particular seen drops in organic traffic? Is there any external reason like seasonality or a new competitor that could be causing it? Which keywords in particular are driving less traffic to those pages? Are they hitting lower rankings or is there just less search volume for those particular terms? Look at things like are visitors coming from specific locations? So are there particular countries where visitors have started dropping off or are there regions within the UK for instance where you're just getting less traffic and trying to see what might be going on there what trends are you noticing or have you done anything recently because of the site so have you introduced new content that could be cannibalizing old content or have you made some technical changes to the site that could be causing issues I'd also look at things like um, other channels so if for instance you are running paid advertising campaigns, they can have a direct impact on your organic traffic. So if you have recently set up a brand PPC campaign, you might start noticing that traffic to your homepage organically is dropping because some people will be clicking on the PPC ad rather than the organic listings. So that's often a, a good indicator that another channel could be involved in the traffic drop or alternatively have a look at those other channels are they also experiencing similar drops because if they are it could be something uh, not necessarily organic that's the issue but something in the industry or um, something to do with your competitors a good tool i would say um, is looking at things like the website uptime monitoring tools so just keeping an eye on whether your website actually just keeps falling down or there's various other tools that you can use to monitor those sorts of changes with the technical setup of your website so you yeah. can start to see if there's things like you're getting more server errors or uh, people keep hitting dead pages that kind of thing so there are free tools and actually there's quite a lot that you can do for free yeah 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 so basically when it comes to website traffic drops there's a lot there's a lot that you can do basically which, absolutely which absolutely is that and it's I really like diagnosing those kind of problems because you have to be quite strategic when you're doing it you have to yeah. look at all of the data but then look for whittling it down to where are the common trends which pages in particular and really digging deep to see it's almost like building up a, a, a list of clues until you can work out who the culprit is what's causing that organic so, traffic drop so you become a bit like Sherlock Holmes you do you absolutely <laughs> do just with less of glamour <laughs> Awesome. Right. So there is a couple more questions and then we're going to go on to the feature, which is my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, and I'm sure it will be yours, Helen. Don't, don't be afraid of the feature. Don't be afraid. I mean, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. If someone can spare, let's say, a couple of hours a week 
doing some sort of SEO on their website, what is the best way to spend that time? So not that much, but enough to do something. It would very much depend on the website. Um, I don't think I can be classed as a proper SEO unless I answer at least one question. It, it, it depends. depends. <laughs> um, but I would say, you, you know your website, you know what it needs doing. But if you really don't and you're really just starting off, then probably the best way that you can start is by learning. So spend those couple of hours just getting on board with what's changed recently in the industry or um access some of those really good free learning platforms Mm. or start reading around the blogs because by doing that you really get to grips with what you should be looking at on your website and how you need to start prioritizing your time i don't know about you but one of one of my favorite places to go to get information is uh, moz whiteboard fridays just because with their whiteboard fridays they're normally no longer than 10 minutes long and they'll 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 go enough into a subject or a topic to give you enough to then go like go and do something on your website so yeah I don't know is Moz a place that you go or do you go other places it's actually a bit of a life goal of mine to be on a, a Moz whiteboard Friday I'm just putting that out instantly. we'd we'd vote right for now. you we'd vote for you <laughs> but yeah they, they are a great source especially for beginners a really really comprehensive guide to, to learning SEO and also to not wasting your time so they give good advice in that area as well so yeah definitely definitely Moz mm. is a, a good place to go we ask all guests this and we are a bit strict because you're only allowed to say one. I mean, if you really want to say more than one, then maybe I'll allow it. But if you would have to pick your favourite SEO tool at the moment, what would that be? Screaming Frog. Without yeah. I love that tool. I um, love that tool I just, too. It's, it's such good value and really accessible. And I just love how techy it makes me look. So yeah. <laughs> When I'm uh, in an office and I have someone walking behind my desk, I've just got loads of data kind of cascading down my screen and it makes me look like um, I'm really technical and makes me feel a little bit like a hacker. So really <laughs> love screen. Obviously an ethical hacker. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, one more question and then we'll move on to the future. I, I think I've said future far too many times. But anyway, is there anything that you would like to ask me? Oh, good question. So... Uh, in your opinion, which is better, baked or chilled cheesecake? Oh my gosh. Good question. Good question. Baked or chilled? Now, that's got me thinking. I'm probably. There is a right answer, I'm afraid. Uh, Sorry, there's only one right answer. That is correct, yeah. You should have led with that because now I feel even more pressure. My favorite cheesecake is a lemon cheesecake, and that is chilled. Is that the right answer? Chilled? Chilled is is definitely the right answer, but I am deducting points for it being a citrus cheesecake because they are not the best. What the correct answer would have been some form of chocolate cheesecake that has been chilled, but you're halfway there, so I'll accept that. Isn't chocolate like the obvious answer? The obvious, but the best. (laughs) What kind of chocolate? Well, I would go with some form of, oh, really, if you want a good cheesecake, you need to go for something like a Rocky Road cheesecake. Oh, my gosh. That's all of the stuff. And if you're really lucky, you might even throw in things like brownie uh, into it. So then you end up with two desserts in one, which is perfect. Sounds like you've got a sweet tooth. I do. I really do. See, I'm one of those weirdos who prefers dark chocolate, black Mm. coffee. I'm more of a starter than a dessert. I'm I'm bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm a bitter person. Only in my few choices, not in my personality. Well, I hope I'm not bitter. Some people, right, I'm blabbing, and this is where Hannah would normally cut in and be like, Sarah, come on now, move on. (laughs) But yes, right, so that was a good question. 
Are you ready for the future? I'm going to say yes, but in my heart, I don't know. Well, I'll let you know what... So it's a quiz. This week is a quiz. And because we were talking about small budget, I thought it would be fun to quiz you on the smallest things in the world. So (laughs) I've got five questions and oh no not five because for some reason I haven't put an answer to one of the questions so I mean I might just throw that in and maybe we can come up with the answer together um just assume I was right with whatever answer (laughs) moving on so first question what is the smallest bird in the world is it and I'm going to give you options here the bee hummingbird the lesser goldfinch or the willow tit how easily can you hear me typing into Google whilst we're asking these questions? You're not allowed to do that. Darn it. Okay, I would go with the bee hummingbird. That is the correct answer. Yay! Woo! Well done. Did are you are you into birds? <laughs> I'm not, but um, I'm good at guessing things. <laughs> Maybe it was how I said it. Maybe I gave a clue in how I said bee hummingbird. Maybe I was like, <laughs> really? But anyway, second question. What is is the smallest country in the world i'm not going to give you options here you just have to go with one are we talking small by land size or by population so i've got kilometers squared so Mm -hmm. it is air like space area oh geography is my one weakness um i'm gonna say Do we count the Vatican in this? I mean, I've just given a massive clue there. I'm going to say the Vatican. You should. (laughs) I I am the world rubbish quiz master. I mean, I don't finish off the answers and I give away clues, don't I? But yes, it is the Vatican. Oh, wow, two for two. So 0.44 kilometres squared. That, that is tiny. That is tiny. I mean, do you want it in miles? Zero yes, point, <laughs> Just in case. 0.17 miles squared. Wonderful. And in centimetres? I don't have that one. <laughs> but small. Let's go with small. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. Well, you got 50% right so far. I mean, I've got 100% right so far. Oh, right. Yes. I, I, I'm a rubbish SEO as well. I can't even do statistics. What, what's <laughs> wrong with That's me? That's fine. I just want people to remember... At some stage in this quiz, I was 100% correct because that's probably going to end quite soon. Well, you never know. Okay. How tall in centimetres was the world's smallest cat? Well, this is tricky because the world's smallest cat at some point will have been a kitten, which probably made it very small. So are we talking at at the height of its height? At the height of its height. Interesting. In centimetres. Yeah, so how tall in centimetres? And are we going from foot to shoulder? Are we talking about entire heights? So to tip of the ear? Is the cat sat up at the time? I don't have that answer. I don't have those all these details that you require um, from me. That's fine. I'm just introducing a, a level of doubt into the question. So when I get it wrong, people will side with me um, that it was in fact an impossible question to answer. So I'm just going to say... Four centimetres. Oh, you are wrong. Oh, darn it. Seven. Seven, so that's tiny. What a tiny meow that would have been. Okay, so obviously you know it's seven. I'll give you like half a point here if mm-hmm. you can guess how long 
in centimeters so if he if he or she i mean we don't know if it's a he or she but yes if they are seven centimeters tall how long are you guessing 15 centimeters oh you're so close 19 oh what tiny cat such a tiny cat you've got a cat haven't you because we were talking about your your cat before i have indeed yes and she's been really really poorly this weekend so um Yes, yeah, so we're really, really pleased that she's uh, being a bit of a menace today. So you may, in fact, hear her in the background of this recording at some point. That Well, I'm holding out. I don't think we've heard her yet. Her, her or him? It's a, a girl. Girl. Cool. I don't know why I said cool to that answer. Because <laughs> anyway, last question. And I mean, you've not got your 100% anymore, have you? Oh, that hurts. That really hurts. Mm, well, that, that's life. That is <laughs> life. So in diameters how big in inches does that question even make sense in diameters how big in inches is the world's smallest mandolin so what i mean here is the diameter of the world's smallest mandolin how big is it in inches interesting um <laughs> i've confused myself with my own question I mean, what kind of mandolin are we talking we're we talking musical instrument here or are we talking yeah. the, the kitchen gadget oh i didn't even know there was a kitchen gadget called the mandolin i mean i could again just be stalling for time here um okay okay so in inches <laughs> diameter i'm gonna say three inches oh one off two. Oh, how on earth are you supposed to play that <laughs> i well obviously the world's smallest cat could that is true this is a very good point and while they're that sat a good mental image isn't it <laughs> While sat in the world's smallest country. <laughs> I'm just imagining this little uh, little cat playing mandolin in the Vatican. <laughs> it's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Now, the last question that I did throw in, but I didn't provide an answer for, because I obviously, I don't know about you, but sometimes I see, I, I'm doing a job and I see something shiny and then I just don't finish it. And that's mm. obviously what's happened with this. So in my head, I've finished and then I saw, no, I've, got halfway through a question saw something shiny and then like forgot to finish the question but anyway my last question was how big in centimeters was the world's readable poetry book i mean interesting i i I don't have a reference i can't tell you what the answer is but i don't know what would you say Um, i'm gonna say two centimeters and we are gonna assume i'm correct I, i i mean I'm a nice podcast host, so I'm going to say you are correct. So Wonderful. you you win the quiz. That's brilliant. This is great news. I'm I feel accomplished in life now. Um, <laughs> so this is awesome. I mean, obviously, it's my job to come up with the forfeit, but obviously there wasn't a forfeit this time around, just because I thought it'd be nice. But now I am putting you on the spot now. But is there a forfeit that you can think to give to me? Because obviously you won. So that means that me being the quiz master has to do a forfeit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how good's your singing voice? Oh my God. I had singing lessons way back, way back when, but no, not very good. Interesting. How much will you hate me if I get you to sing on the podcast? I'm a yes person. <laughs> So uh, the only reason that I would may dislike you is if there's a plummet in listenership to our podcast because of my <laughs> singing. <laughs> so we might have to have words if after a couple of months I'm like, Helen, you made me sing and now we're only getting like my mum listening to the podcast. <laughs> 
I mean, you might end up with more listeners. What if this is actually what begins your singing career? Wow. I'd like to be remembered as a person who spurred you on, who inspired you with the confidence to pursue your dreams and become an international singing superstar. So on the count of three, feel free to sing a verse of whatever song you want. Oh, I'm going to have to get this. Two, three. I can't do that. I don't have a song in my head. <laughs> it, it would be incredibly cruel of me to hold you to that. Don't worry. Hang on. Can, can you, because right, I've got Google in front of me. So if okay, you give me a song, I'll find the lyric. Now you're testing my knowledge of music. I know, it's really hard. Uh, okay, it's got to be a Britney Spears song. Britney Spears. easy to sing. Right. Um, what about Hit Me Baby one more time? What, like the chorus? Yeah, go for it. Okay. One moment, please. Okay, I don't, this might not be the chorus because I'm getting very confused, but I'll just go with the verse. Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know that something wasn't right here? Oh, baby, baby, I shouldn't have let you go. And now you're out of sight, yeah, show me. How you want it to be. Join in, Helen, if you want to. Tell me, baby, because I need to know now. Oh, because. Loneliness is killing me. And I. I must confess, I still believe. Still believe. Oh, I gave you the high bit. I'm so sorry. I know. I mean, I, I've done it. We did it together. We oh, did the man, forfeit awesome. together. Um, so we'll be duetting in the future. I think your listeners need to know that. <laughs> Wow, the next uh, next Brighton SEO, me and you yes. on stage <laughs> singing Britney we'll Spears. Melbourne, I'm sure we can make it happen. <laughs> I think we'd get banned from the conference, wouldn't we? <laughs> it's a risk, yeah. Restraining order because of Britney and singing. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Helen, that is the end. Oh, and I had so many more songs for you. Oh, well, maybe you'll be invited on again. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. And you and I'll sing more. Um, but yes thank you very much thank you very much for coming on to the podcast that was very very valuable for our audience because a lot of our audience are sort of small business owners who know that they should be doing SEO but they just they're like well I don't have the budget or resource so that was a very yeah that's a really good topic for us to do if people want to get in touch with you say hi find out more about what you're doing or read stuff of yours how can they do that they can tweet me. That's always a good one. So at Helen Pollitt one, if you can't spell Pollitt, then good luck. There's loads of L's and loads of T's in there. Um, otherwise, you can go to my website, arrowsup.co.uk and uh, talk me through that. Awesome. Um, now I've obviously got to do the admin for our podcast. So um, yes, so we are on Twitter, SEO underscore SAS. I'm personally on Twitter, Sarah McDuck. Me and Hannah are both on LinkedIn. We also have an email address, hello at SEOSASpodcast.com. So please, if like Helen, you want to come on the podcast and talk about stuff, please do let us know because we love talking to people. If you just want to say hi or just want to give us some feedback that's also lovely if you think we're worth it and want to give us a five-star review I mean why wouldn't you come on but yes on your platform this is where I've got to get my teeth in my mouth on your podcast playing platform if you could give us a review that would be very helpful for us because that obviously helps our podcast and gets put underneath more people's noses and I think that's it is that is that everything Helen I mean I'm putting you on the spot here but is that 
that's covered all bases, hasn't it? Yes. And yes. I would highly recommend that everyone reviews you very positively. This is a lot of fun. And also, if anyone does want to come on the show, do it. It's do great. it. And you had fun. The feet, I, I mean, did. you did. I absolutely did. And you were worried about the feature, but you know. And it was... turns out you should have been worried about the feature. I know. Who knew that I'd end up singing Britney Spears? <laughs> that is not what I had on my agenda today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we say goodbye? Yes, indeed. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much yes. for having me on the show. Really appreciate that. Yes, hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>